0: Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy Friday, everyone. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Ending a long game week. i actually recording this late on a Thursday night. Uh, some news and notes to pass along to you from Will Muschamps Carolina Calls. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it or not. Even if you're not a subscriber, you can read it on the Vicksburg.com. Uh, dug into the Colin Hill starting at quarterbacks type of deal, uh, type of deal, situation, battle, the win type of deal. <laughs> you can tell it's a little late. Um, and uh, really got some good insight from a number of contacts, both within the program. Uh, as close to the situation uh, as you can get. Uh, And uh, also some folks that kind of reviewed some tape and compared the two outside the program that I trust and, you know, wanted to kind of take it a step beyond just my opinion because a lot of times I definitely give my opinion on things and wanted to communicate that, you know, this Colin Hill thing is not, you know, me standing on an island uh, but that also uh, there are reasons why. Uh, he won the job. Uh, and then it's not just keeping a seat warm for Ryan Helensky. Colin Hill, uh, if you don't read the article, I, I, I say Colin Hill's going to be the starting quarterback this year, barring injury or a complete collapse, where they just have to make a change to see if they can get a spark. Um, you're not going to see a situation where if the Gamecocks go three and out two times in a row on Saturday night, that Ryan Helensky is going to come in. It, it wasn't – uh, that close, it was a competition, which is what Will Muschamp said. It was a difficult decision because it's always a difficult decision uh, to replace your your guy that started for you last year um, with a newcomer. And, and, and you know, you, you sort of think that maybe, maybe Holinsky can pick it up as he goes along. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, when they went down and evaluated everything, it wasn't you know, it, it wasn't a de- it wasn't a decision where. You know, you, you just basically have quarterback 1A and 1B. There is a number one. There is a number two. And South Carolina is going to be better off this year on offense if number one stays healthy and plays well. Uh, let's just put it that way. And and I I try to say that with uh, the greatest respect for who Ryan Holinski is, uh, for his talent, for how he played last year, uh, and for his future. You know, it, it probably was unfair for him to have to go in there and start 11 games last season. Um but I was told in no uncertain terms by someone who's scouted South Carolina extensively, uh, SEC assistant coach, that, you know, if Carolina had had better quarterback play last year at all, that's a seven-win football team. Um, so that's an opinion, again, that's not mine, but for what it's worth. So there's a disconnect between how I think we all saw Ryan Holinsky perform last year uh, and how he actually did – if you're really breaking it down and getting to the intricacies of playing the position uh, and all that stuff, so you know, take that for what it's worth. Go read the article, but that's why Colin Hill starting, and the art, the title of the article is "Colin Hill is starting because he is better," and that's it. It's the bottom line. Right now, he's better. Um, midway, you know, in late October. If something crazy happens with Alinsky and he starts lighting up practice and all that and Hill's struggling for whatever reason, then, you know, maybe that happens. But they're not planning on that happening. There's not signs of that happening. So I just wanted to make that clear. Colin Hill's the starter because Colin Hill's the starter. Now, we all lived through the Tommy Beecher starter deal. And and I'm trying to think of, you know, going back through the Spurrier era, you know, who went out and started that was a surprise uh, in an opener. And I'm thinking back on it, and I think that, um, you know, thinking back on it, it, you know, the Beecher thing was a surprise. Though Spurrier named him the starter in the spring, so you sort of knew that going in. Um, And, you know, of course, Chris Smelly started part of the last season. Blake Mitchell was gone. Uh, I don't think Spurrier was too fired up about the spring game with with Smelly that year. Uh, So he names Beecher the starter. Steven Garcia ended up starting three or four games as a redshirt freshman that year, including leading a come-from-behind win against Kentucky. Uh, And then they rotated Smelly and Garcia, and it was just a a quagmire. Um, But Spurrier had a pretty quick hook with quarterbacks, you know, and and I I think that's, you know, something to look at. This is also not like at Georgia when you had Joe the third starting in 06, and you just knew Matthew Stafford was going to take that job. You know, you start the older guy and then you know that the talented guy's coming in. It's not like Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant where you sort of knew. I mean, you know, they had to start Kelly Bryant because he started the previous year and, you know, they were winning. But, you know, a good contact on Clemson's end of things told me in August, Trevor's going to start by game five. And he did, and they won the national championship. There are no signs like that. So I want to make that clear. This is not a situation where, uh, let's, let's let, the, let the experienced guy in the system go out there, and then by game three, we'll have our real quarterback. No, Colin Hill's the real quarterback, and he's good. He's good. Uh, and, and, and this is one situation where the recruiting rankings were wrong. I can give you examples of that, too. I'll take you back up the road to Clemson. The Tommy Bowden era. Everybody thought Willie Shotgun Simmons was going to be the best quarterback that will lead Clemson back to the promised land. Guess what? A three-star guy named Charlie Whitehurst took his job. And he ended up leaving. Uh, Willie Korn, and we all know why Willie Korn didn't work out because of his shoulder and all that. Five star savior of Clemson. I ranked him third in the country. He's one of the best high school football players I've seen in my life. Goes to Clemson, couldn't beat out Cullen Harper transfer. Cullen Harper, just a three star guy, you know, from, from Georgia, just like Charlie Whitehurst. Um, you know, you can, you can, uh, go down the road in Athens, Georgia, where Jake Fromm beat out five-star Jacob Eason. Now, Eason was hurt, and he came in, but he didn't give his job up. Uh, Quarterback's one of those strange positions where, you know, sometimes the guys that you don't expect to have it have it, and then the guys that um, do have it maybe don't, or or they take a little more time than you think. You know, we live in a very impatient society. Um. But, I, you know, I, I don't think we've heard the last of Ryan Helensky. Uh, but I, I do think he's just not ready, you know, based on digging in, talking to people that know, you know, looking past just the highlights and the, and the good plays he made last year, which he did make some, uh, and, and the end result, you know, touchdown pass here, obviously the touchdown pass, touchdown pass. He's just not ready to go out and be a starter in the SEC right now. Um, now, you know, something happens to Colin Hill. He's, unless he's going to have to get ready and grow up in a hurry <laughs> uh, because the Gamecocks are going to need him to run the system. And, and that's another point I made in the article. Um, the, the knowledge of the system is very, very important this year. Um, and I was, it was stressed to me that it wasn't just the knowledge of the system uh, because I think that's another. Another thing people, and, and that, that's another thing I don't always like, you know, I'm like, well, I know you got to know the system, but if you got a guy that's immensely talented, that's much more talented sitting behind him, you know, probably need to adjust the system and let your player go play. Well, that's not what this is either. It's, it's, it's not that at all. Um, my the Alexa's going off. I don't, I don't know why that happens from time to time. I think when I get loud, but anyway, I have a mic. I probably shouldn't get that loud, but, um, you know, so, so 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 when you look at it like that, you know, I'm usually the guy that's like, well, if you got a guy that's more talented, dumb your system down and let the talented guy go play. I, I talked about Garcia and Smelly in '08. I was all for Garcia because I was like, you know, look, you know, Coach Spurrier runs a great offense. You know, you're not all that super duper receiver that was before Alshon, and when McKinley was a a. Um, a senior and you had jared cook i think on that team at tight end catching passes is kind of a second threat but you know i, I was like steven gives you something a little extra and he's got arm strength and all this stuff so you know um that was kind of how i felt and that's kind of how i always felt i mean i felt that way uh when they started perry orth and then threw brandon McAlwain out there in in champs first year and obviously you're most talented guy ended up being the most talented guy sitting on the bench, in Jake Bentley. So, so I'm not I'm not one of these has to know the system guys. I mean, you know, I, I'm like, well, just play your player, um, especially if there's a talent gap. And in all those situations I just talked about, there was a talent gap. There is a talent gap here in, in terms of if there is one, it favors Colin Hill. It favors Colin Hill, talent wise. I know the star ratings didn't say that, um, but, hey, football players change. Uh, now, in a couple of years, maybe the t- you look at Alinsky and, and he's, he's gotten better and all that good stuff, and uh, maybe the talent gap narrows a bit. But, you know, looking at it, it's not a situation where they're just like, you got to have somebody run the offense, um, and if you can't run it, you can't play. You know, that, that's not what's going on here, how it's been communicated to me. Colin Hill has arm talent. There's a false narrative out there that he doesn't, that Helensky has this great arm talent and a huge advantage there. That was told to me in no uncertain terms. that That's, a, that's not true. It's just false. So, Colin Hill has a better arm than Ryan Helensky. Okay? And that's for people that know uh, a hell of a lot more than me and you <laughs> about that. Uh, and that's just true. That That's nothing against Helensky. Again, I, I think that in time, he could be a really good player. Uh, recruiting rankings are long-term projections. Uh, he should be going into his redshirt freshman season right now. He's got a redshirt. Everybody's redshirting this year, too, so his clock stops. He's got a long time uh, to develop. And he did come. It was stressed to me, too. He did come a ways in preseason, but he still has a ways to go. And people have to realize that. Uh, And and I know Gamecock fans, I know it's hard because you pull for a guy like Alinsky. He's got a great story. got a wonderful family. Um, You feel for them for what they've been through. He could have gone anywhere in the country. He came across the country to South Carolina, Um, you know, went in there and performed with a lot of courage last year. So, you know, I know it's tough because he's a guy that you pull for and, you know, I know, most of you are from South Carolina, and I would just say, well, so was Colin Hill. So there's reasons to pull for him, too. He's an in-state kid that's coming home whose dream it's been to play at South Carolina. Um, you know, probably not as much of a good story as Holinsky, but a good story nonetheless, if that's the reason, if it's the story. And I understand that. Heck, I was pulling for Ryan Holinsky. I, I would have love to have seen him win the job, go out, be the the all first-team All-SEC quarterback, you know, uh, win a bunch of games. I mean, it was tough watching it last year. And I know that, you know, it wasn't up to his standards. But he has time. He has time, and I think he'll be fine. And if he's not, then you got other quarterbacks coming in too. So I wouldn't worry about it. But, you know, the whole the whole thing to stress on all this is, and what was communicated to me by multiple people was, look, you know, this is not like, well, you know, this guy knows his assignments, but the more talented guys behind him. And I was told in no uncertain terms, that's not true. Colin Hill's the best quarterback on the team, um, and he's going to start for that reason. And so that's, uh, that's it. That's the bottom line there uh, with all that. Okay, tonight on the call-in show, and I, I didn't listen to the call-in show, folks. You know, I, I admire you folks that still call in. Um, there's a lot of people that call in though that I kind of wish they wouldn't take the calls. They really need a call screener and and I didn't listen tonight. So maybe they did quit taking calls. Um, I wish that was something that, you know, we have these, all these new restrictions now with life and and COVID and all that, but calling a call in show, that's not, you know, you don't have to restrict that. You're not going to pass COVID through the phone. I sort of wish they just used that as an excuse. You know, we can't touch the phone because of covid so we're not taking calls that that would make me happy because it, it and i used to love it growing up when i was a kid you listen to carolina calls you get fired up especially when, even when spurrier first came early although some of those calls to spurrier were embarrassing but and you know it, it's just like you know you, you kind of get past a point where you know, one season you're there, you're listening for news and information and the calls are just like, uh, da, da. I'm, I swear some of these people are not even Gamecock fans. I, I think they're just like either actors and like professional prank callers or, or they're Clemson or Georgia people in disguise that just want to call up. I don't, I don't know. I, I've never met anybody that's called the call-in show. If you called the call-in show, send me an email, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, And tell me what you said and and tell me about your experience calling in Um, because I I, I don't think I've ever met someone that's gotten through on the call-in show uh, in person. Um, I will say this, before I ever got in this business, back in 1999, a friend of mine did call the Lou Holtz call-in show to talk to Lou Holtz. But that was big. That's a big deal back then. You know, you had me talk to you through Lou Holtz. It would be happy to be here at the University of South Carolina. Um, yeah, that was big time. That was a celebrity back then. Don't Google Lou Holtz TV interview South Carolina if you if you have a, a nice opinion of Lou. <laughs> <laughs> As he was a celebrity, doggone it. He came in, here in the state of South Carolina. We're going to clean up the roads and all that good stuff but um so anyway yeah if you've called the call-in show in the past 10 years uh send me a uh send me a uh, email inside the gamecast gmail.com we do have mailbag coming up uh, another funny thing about the calling show and I'm going to get to the news here in a second is um cuz you most of you have probably already heard it this is coming out Friday is Spurrier used to like openly sigh when Todd would ask him a question I'm like, oh, coach uh, any injuries on our palmetto health injury report he'd be like well Todd you know there's some we got some guys a few guys here and there that got some bumps and bruises but uh you know or Todd would ask a a, a difficult question that Spur didn't want to If you named a starting tailback well well Todd you know it <laughs> I always kind of thought that was kind of an interesting funny dynamic as well, well Todd Ellis does a good job with all that though and at this point, I just, uh, you know, the, 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 there's no more Larry Munson's. So, you know, a guy like Todd Ellis, who's who's funny, who, who's not polished, is great. You know, you either need a guy like that or a guy like that used to call uh, the hockey for the Florida Panthers. You know, they'd score a a goal, and he'd, he'd use a line from a movie. They, like, scored. and like, it's a goal. Mom. The meatloaf. That was hilarious. So you need somebody like that. And Todd, you know, he's to the 65 to the, oh, like a professional wrestler. Oh. He and Tommy sitting up there broadcasting excellence. But, no, I'm serious. A lot of people give Todd a hard time. I am not one of those people. I watched him play every game he played at South Carolina, from the first one against Miami and Vinnie Testaverde to the last one against NC State. When I was late to my seat, heard a hush come over the crowd, and a dirty hit hurt his leg. He and NC State had when he was there. He said, NC State and South Carolina had some issues, um, and so you know, mad respect for him. And look, you know, like I said, it's not that important anymore uh, to have a, a Larry Munson type. It's it's more important to have a guy that loves his job, that shows up, that does it, um, that's entertaining. And Todd is very, very entertaining. So, hats off to Todd Ellis. Didn't mean to talk about him that much, but anyway. So you go to uh, the Collins show tonight. So it's some some news. There's some news from the Collins show. Uh, the Palmetto Health injury report, right? So Zaquandre a quandary white who, you know, contacts have told me they need to get him healthy because they feel like, you know, and they didn't say talent. They said he can be a big difference maker for our offense was how it was put to me. Um, not that the other guys are not that good, but they, you know, they like his playmaking ability. He is a guy when you're talking about Harris or Fenwick or white, white's a guy that could take it to the, to the house. Um, You know, he gets in your secondary, the band may be playing, whereas Harris and Fenwick, you know, they may get 20, 30 yards and get run down. Um, Not that they're not fast. It's just, you know, some guys have that extra gear, and and, and comparatively, White does. So I I thought the fact that he's practiced, looked good, and is good to go uh, is a positive. Uh, Kevin Harris, however, will start. And look, folks, I'm intrigued by this because Fenwick, Deshaun Fenwick, has had a good spring and a good preseason. He's mentally there. He's working hard. But Harris has been a little more consistent. So the competition there helps. And Kevin Harris has that unique bowling ball style running ability. And he's quick for that type of guy. And, you know, if he can get some holes and hit some holes, um, you know, there's nothing that says he can't do damage. Uh, So I'm intrigued by that. And I'm glad because, you know, I was told – in the spring, you know, it's going to be Marshawn Lloyd and we all know that and that's a big loss, obviously. Um, And then Kevin Harris was the second name that that I was told. Then the pandemic hit. I heard Fenwick was doing well. Uh, You know, Fenwick looked like he was going to start. Well, Harris is healthy. You know, people are like, if Harris can stay healthy, he can do it. And he's healthy. And, And quite frankly, he's, the guy's a workout warrior. I mean, you watch him and you see, you know, what he did in high school and one of the Hardest working guys on the team. So you hate that he's had injury issues, but he's healthy now. So I'm curious to see how that, that works out. You know, I'm I'm not ruling anything out. I'm not ruling out ten carries for twelve yards, <laughs> which if that's the case, it's it's going to be a long night Saturday night. I can assure you of that because that means the line's not blocking, somebody's getting dominated. Um, but I can't rule out you know a very modest opening game, or or I can't rule out a big one. It's probably going to be somewhere in between, but I'm intrigued by that. I mean, he's a big bowling ball back with, I think, really quick feet for a guy his size, good strength, tough runner, um, you know, holds onto the football well. So Kevin Harris is starting. Fennel will be in. White will be in. That's your running back rotation right there. Um, And so those are the two pieces of news uh, that – Must champ had, and then you know Jamie Robinson won the punt returner job. I think that's not a surprise. It looked like JC Horn was going to be the guy. Robinson and he had a nice competition, and that's cool. You know, I think when you know JC Horn's one of the best players on the team, and we didn't go beat him out. That says a lot about Robinson. Uh, Shout out to my guy CNC Eagles twenty two. I don't know if he's a podcast listener or not. On the Big Spur that reminded me of Robinson's punt return ability in high school, which. You know, I saw and I really liked. And um, Jamie Robinson could be a difference maker back there. I, I don't know about Saturday night. Special teams could be an adventure. Hey, ho, welcome aboard the SS special teams. Um, but I, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't want anybody else back there, you know, except J.C. JC Horn maybe, you know. Uh, I think Jamie Robinson could be very dynamic in the return game, just like he was um in high school and uh that guy is is, was a when he came out of high school I thought he was a very high floor guy but I think his ceiling's probably higher than I thought and Jamie Robinson loves football you know not everybody that plays loves football you know there's guys out there though that just love the game and he does and you know I I think I think not only is he going to help with returns but I think he's going to solidify the safety spot where Carolina's just struggled mightily I mean there need, you need somebody else back there. R.J. Roderick's going to get the start. Jalen Dickerson hopefully will play, uh, but Robinson being back there, I, I'm I'm more confident, you know, th- than maybe you would be relying on some of the other guys or, you know, praying Dickerson gets healthy or something like that or moving somebody over from corner, you know. So we'll see. But I'm I'm uh I think Robinson can take a step and not only become you know, a solidifying safety and a good returner, but probably one of the best players on the team. I I think that if you said, who do you have the most confidence in from last year's class making a big step? Jamie Robinson. That's the most confident. I I think there's very little chance it doesn't work out for him this year uh, in a big way. So he's the punt returner. Um, oh, the other big news is a ding 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 ring the bell and look they I think they do test one more time tonight. But based on the testing results so far this week South Carolina's going to have all their players Saturday night. I don't know what Tennessee and their deal is uh, I I can't say that there won't be some positive tests between now and Saturday that knock a few gamecocks out because that happened but right now it looks like a hundred percent, you know, the guys that are out are going to be out because of injury. So that's big. And the teams that have those kind of numbers for COVID this year, uh, depending on what their opponent does and what happens with their opponent, you know, that's going to be uh, that's going to be an advantage. Now at, at Tennessee, my guess is they hit their little wave a couple of weeks ago and they're back. Um, I, I have no idea. I know their insiders are kind of skeptical about, the first game now more so than they were. I mean, they all think, you know, South Carolina's a high school football team. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They, they don't, you know, obviously after last year, you know, the tradition Tennessee has, they think that that's, you know, they're back and they've passed the game. I and that's fine. I get it. But I've noticed, you know, they've been a little bit less confident because of the COVID situation. And, and look, I, I think it just all depends. Like what kind of work has Tennessee been getting in when guys have been out? And are they really behind or is that coach speak? And I think it could be coach speak. Pruitt got a contract extension um, today and a raise and well-deserved. You know, six wins at the end of last year with a team that lost to Georgia State and BYU to open the season and had trouble crossing the 50-yard line against SEC opponents until they played South Carolina. Yeah, you know, that, that was a big turnaround. And those guys started believing in what they were doing and that belief carried them to a lot of games. Maybe they would have lost otherwise. So, you know, lots of credit for them. But as far as COVID goes, I sense there's some some gamesmanship there. I think Tennessee will be, a, you know, relatively full strength, you know, discounting the guys that um, are injured. You know, I, I, I would be surprised if the Vols didn't travel, you know, their full allotment or at least – you know, maybe a backup here, backup there, but I, I, that's my gut feeling. I have no information on that uh, from Tennessee's end, and I wish I could get it for you, but I, I just don't have it. I don't have it right now. Well, I could text somebody, but I don't want to. Um, anyway, but that's uh, that's the deal. And again, you know, all that's as of tonight with COVID. I, I believe they do test again on Thursdays. Um, and so there could be some guys that pop up Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and then they're out, you know. So I, we'll see what happens there. But so far, so good on the COVID end of things for the Gamecocks. So that's what, that's what my champ talked about today on the call-in show. And, um, you know, that's that's always an adventure and good. Some, some news that came out, most of it was positive. All right, so the mailbag. The mailbag. Let me see if there's any on Twitter. Yes. The first, and and, all right, so here's how you get in the mailbag, and I haven't mentioned this enough. Uh, If you tweet to at the Big Spur Pod and follow that Twitter account too, it's a fun Twitter account, Um, we will uh, read your tweet question off of Twitter, or you can email inside the gamecocks at gmail.com, and we will answer your mailbag questions in that way. Uh, I'll be honest, the mailbag has been blowing up this week. Um, and I, I'm happy, you know, because, uh, this is really just me. I have some guests from time to time. I enjoy this monologue style, uh, podcast though for this particular one, you know, cause I do JC and Morgan and there's others. We have guests and co-hosts and stuff. Um, and, and you never know when I'm going to get back into live radio, which in that case, there'll be guests and stuff like that. But I love this Gamecock monologue podcast format. Uh, And every day I get more and more comfortable with it. Didn't know if I'd really like it or not like it. Like it a lot. Um, All right. So Randy Watson. That's a beautiful Twitter name, by the way. Love that movie. They're supposed to have a sequel to Coming of America coming out. Uh, And I think the pandemic's put that on hold. It's put the new Ghostbusters generation or whatever, Afterlife. I think it's called Afterlife movie. And it's put the Top Gun sequel on hold. How long have we waited for the... You know the next Ghostbusters, not 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 no offense to the all female one. I'm talking Ghostbusters one, Ghostbusters two with the Bobby Brown song and, and the Vigo painting, uh, and then the next one's this next one where, you know, Vinkman's grandson, and it's got Paul Rudd in it or whatever. Um, and then we've been waiting for a sequel to Top Gun since the '80s. Since the '80s, it's been 35 years. I mean, and 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 then a sequel to Coming to America. I mean, we're, I mean, th- those are sequels I obviously all want to see, but the pandemic shut it down. Can't go to the movies. Can't see movies. Maybe they'll just eventually say, all right, we're just going to release this to Netflix. In that case, probably if one of those three sequels goes to Netflix, it's probably means it's not that good, and I'm going to be disappointed. But anyway, Randy Watson tweets in, and he goes, Love the podcast. Bobo never had great wide receiving corps at Georgia. Just one great wide receiver and some okay ones. He wants to feed the running back first and then spread the ball around. We don't have the UGA talent, but if our line blocks well and he'll make throws, we should be productive. UGA running back talent is what he meant. Yeah, you don't have those guys uh, at running back. Um, and Georgia didn't always have a great offensive line. They did have uh, some really good quarterbacks. I'm in agreement. I, I never thought Georgia was like super duper. I do think that the more explosive groups – that Bobo had, they did have guys like Tavares King and, and Malcolm Mitchell and Chris Connolly uh, and guys like that. Um, guys that didn't necessarily blow you away, but, but guys that were awfully good. And, and I think, you know, with this group, and I, I keep going back and forth about the receivers, I, I'm not, honestly, not as concerned as I was. Uh, but I do think it's a work in progress. And I absolutely do think they need, you know to keep recruiting better players at that position. You know, I'll put it that way. Uh and, and I do think that, you know, it, it's a it's a blessing for South Carolina on offense, I believe, that Mike Bobo is running the show this year, even if they don't light up the scoreboard cuz I don't I don't think they are because he could generate offense with his play calling and and if you don't have a guy that's used to doing that and used to kind of you know, pulling out all the stops and showing you different looks and, and, and all that, you know, let's say they'd have brought in an air raid guy and you you, you don't have the receivers necessary to run it. Um, you're not going to run the air raid very well. <laughs> um, I think with Bobo, it's good because you can fit it to your personnel. Uh, he's done a little bit of everything. And, and so I'm in agreement with you. I I would – I would think that, you know, the offense needs to complement the defense and special teams this year. It doesn't need to be out last year where they tried to keep going fast and they'd have all these three and outs and the defense staying on the field. Uh, I think South Carolina needs to, to, you know, play a little bit like an NFL team this year in terms of style. You know, uh, field position, play defense, you know, ball control. Um, And so, I, you know, I think that with the way things have worked out, You know, Mike Bobo ends up being a guy that, you know, could end up looking like a really good hire, a really good hire. Thank you, Randy, for that question. Robert, Dr. Rob, says, uh, JC, looking at this game, Tennessee, Carolina, from a coaching perspective for each position group and for coordinators, who do you think has the advantage in this week's matchup? Who has the better on-field coach for each group? Bobo versus Chaney, Robinson versus Ainsley, Wolf versus Friend, Rocker versus ProBall. I don't have their complete coaching staff in front of me. Uh, I know T. Martin is an outstanding wide receivers coach. Uh, I would give them the edge there over Joe Cox just because, I mean, Joe Cox hadn't done it. Joe Cox ended up being 10 times better than T. But T's been, you know, he's kind of proven. You know, I think that. You know, you look at uh, Bobo versus Cheney. That's close. That's really, really close. I'll, I'll give the edge to Bobo, but it, it's close because, I, and, I, and I'll give it to Bobo because when Bobo was at Georgia um, with roughly the same level personnel, they were a lot more explosive um, than Cheney. But Cheney certainly did a better job than whoever they replaced him with last year. I think fully. Um, Ro- Tavares Robinson versus Ainsley. I mean, they both recruit. I mean, they both uh, not recruited, but developed so many good DBs. Travis Robinson's put a lot of guys in the NFL. Same with Ainsley. I'd say Ty. Eric Wolford versus Will Friend. I'll go Wolford. Rocker versus Brumbaugh. I'll go Rocker. Um, and I'm probably missing somebody. You'll go Muschamp versus Pruitt. I, I'll go Muschamp. So. Um, you know, just because He's done it longer and he's had success against Tennessee, but you know, Pruitt's doing a good job there too. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of even, I mean, I can't think of, I mean, I'm sure I'd like Bobby Bentley better than whoever they have coaching tight ends up there. Um, Des Kitchings versus Jay Graham, you know, edge to Graham, but I mean, Des is one of the best running backs coaches in the country. So, uh, you know, I like Jay Graham too. He's coached a lot of guys. So it, it, that's that, that's kind of an interesting thing. It's a great question and I appreciate it, but uh, that's tough for me to get into because there's just a lot of guys on both sides of the ball that I have a lot of respect for. Uh, and Dr. Rob goes on to say, thanks for all you do. I love the podcast. It's a nice escape from all the negative news out there. And after the election, bring back the POS show, but don't touch politics till after November 4th. I don't plan to. I, I was a little worried that, you know, because it it, it reeked, it, it crept over into college football and impacted that. I almost felt like we talked about it a little too much over the summer. Uh, but I'm glad we did. And I think we ended up being on the right side, me and, and Mike Morgan on JC and Morgan and all that. So thank you so much, Dr. Rob. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, keep those questions coming. All right. So we got. Uh, all right, act. Act. I, uh, I, you didn't sign your email. I know you emailed me before and I know your name's not act. So I'm going to go ahead and just say call, call you act right here. Hey, JC, who's going to be your breakout player for Saturday? I know there isn't much love for the receiving core, but I think they can be better than people think. I think Rico Powell, pa- I like Rico Powers and believe he'll be a factor. Yeah, I was told today he has a chance. I like Joyner in space. Colin will have a solid game along with White in the running game. Carolina 31, Vols 21. Dark Horse is Joyner. Offensive MVPs Hill or White. Defensive MVP, Ernest Jones or Jamie Robinson. Can't go wrong there. Uh, I'll throw a name out on defense, uh, and everybody's saying Brad Johnson. I'm going to throw J.J. Enigbare out there because, um, I mean, everybody kind of knows Brad Johnson's done a great job at the SAM, but, you know, you have heard nothing bad about Enigbare. Um, and yet, you've never heard anything bad about him. They've always loved him and thought he was a good player. But year one, they moved him inside. You know, year two, they moved him back outside. But, you know, oh, he needs to get better at this, that, and the other. Well, now they moved him back to Buck, where they played him against Akron for one game, and he was dominant and was Akron. Um, and and you, you haven't heard anything about him getting beat out or Jordan Birch, who's going to play, pushing him or anything. So that kind of tells me that guy's showing up now and, and talents he's got some talent. So uh, I'll throw that out there for possible defensive MVP or breakout player on defense um, offense, you know, I, Colin Hill, c- cause he, you know, he, he's got to, <laughs> Colin Hill's going to probably have to have a really good game for, for South Carolina to be successful on offense. And I think there's a lot of, I don't want to say haters because there's a difference between haters and doubters. And I I don't think anybody hates on Colin Hill. I think they just doubt, you know, I don't think there's any haters. So to silence the doubters, I think he's got to have a good game. Um, I would also look out for like uh, Kevin Harris, Nick Muse on offense. You want a dark horse. Um, Xavier Leggett, Xavier Leggett. or maybe shy Smith, you know, it's hard to call him a dark horse, but, you know, he's the number one receiver. He's got to have a good game too. Uh, But, you know, I'm hopeful of that just because, you know, I think Xavier's got a lot of athletic ability, you know, and and raw talent. Uh, It's just, has he learned enough about the position? Can he be consistent enough to make plays? Thank you. Act. I appreciate the email. Keep them coming. Joe is the final question from the mailbag on game week. And uh, really loving this. It's a good question. Emailing in for the second time, really appreciate it. Your response to my Last email. I have a lot of respect for what Will Champ has done off the field for our football program and university. With that being said, as you've stated before, it needs to translate to wins on the field. If it doesn't, I believe it's time to move on from him in the next two years. Yeah, I can't see... You know, this year is just such a different year with the pandemic. And, and you know, you're looking at a $58 million loss in athletics. You know, if it gets too bad, do you go borrow the money? Because, you know, you're the University of South Carolina. You're an SEC football program. Um, depending on what the state rules and stuff like that are like, I know they've hit their debt ceiling or whatever. You may them to raise it for operating. I mean, you know, they may have to do something like that anyway um and obviously you're gonna make that money back <laughs> uh there's a new t v deal coming in It's probably gonna put an extra thirty million in the coffers uh when e s p n and Disney get a hold of the game of the week um but you are looking at a loss and I don't know that there's gonna be a lot of football programs that fire their coaches, especially now everybody's getting a red shirt people are playing like partial years um and, and there's a lot of schools of thought out there about it. There are some schools of thought that say, nah, there's guys already going to get fired. One guy already did quit, Jay Hobson from Southern Miss, after the first game. Um, and then there's some people that say, no, nobody's getting fired. They're just going to move on. So, but, but you said two years. So, I, 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 you know, if it's not significantly heading in the right direction in two years, I think Will Muschamp would tell you, hey, I got six years at this crack, – six cracks at this bad boy – That's 10 in the SEC. Uh, It didn't work out, and I think he'll go to the NFL and and try that that route because I think the guy still has a future in football, you know, um, at the highest level. I think the guy could coach in the NFL one day, regardless of how it turns out uh, at South Carolina. I think he could be Jim Caldwell. Um, Caldwell was not good at Wake Forest, (laughs) uh, ends up working his way back to the NFL, learning a thing or two, and then boom, there he goes. Um, and, and I think that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's just kind of what I believe about him. You know, people can say you're a must champ Homer or whatever, but I think the NFL is a different game and, you know, something that win or lose, I think will must eventually will find his way there. So the question is, what would be your thoughts on hiring Mark D'Antonio? I know there were NCAA violations rumored in a lawsuit. He's a South Carolina alumnus. I've enjoyed watching his more successful teams with a hard-nosed run game and stingy defense. What are your thoughts? I know I may be going out on a limb here. Could you go hire Mark D'Antonio now? Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, he, he has had some health issues in the recent past. But He is an alum, and, and I'm sure he's itching to get back in. But I'm going to say this. It didn't work out at Michigan State because, you know, people talk about Muschamp and his offense. Uh, Will Muschamp, you know, may not have hired the right guy, but he kept trying to kind of reinvent the wheel. You know, he kept saying, well, we need to do this. Well, we need to do that. We need to be more modern. We need to do this. You know, he was willing to evolve. Mark D'Antonio, when everybody, including, like, his former boss, Nick Saban, was evolving, was running the same old stuff and refused to change. Um, and, yeah, they had hard nose run game, stingy defense, but, you know, it's like Nick Saban said, uh, I think, in the pregame. I think of the LSU-Clemson game last year. He's like, if you just line up and run the ball and play defense like you used to, you're dead. A- and that's true and Nick Saban realizes that and I'm sure Nick Saban rather just line up and play defense and run the ball um but you got to be explosive on offense and and I think that's uh that that would be the hang up with him and because I think you, you, you on the heels of Muschamp uh and if Muschamp doesn't work out it's likely because the offense is you know probably still sputtering around I mean I, I think you got to go with an offensive hire um you know just like you know, the offense under Lou Holtz was not all that good. It kind of sputtered around. Um, you bring in Steve Spurrier to kind of fix that. Um, you know, and like when Steve Spurrier left, the defense was a disaster. So, And the roster was a disaster. So you should bring in Muschamp and uh, his band of recruiters to fix that. Um, and, and I think, you know, it, there's a lot of guys out there, you know, that, that would like the South Carolina job. Um that could be exciting hires that could, you know, come in and bring it all together. If it doesn't work out the last cut, the next couple of years. Um, you know, I think I'd, you know, if, if that happened to happen, which I'm hoping it doesn't, cause I don't want to, I don't want you guys to go through two more years of bad football. I hope it turns around. Um, You know, if he's still there, Lafayette, Louisiana or Louisville, Kentucky or Norman, Oklahoma, I don't think it gets past those three unless you kind of can convince Mario Cristobal or somebody to come, you know, from Oregon or another major program, Um, you know, or unless there's somebody from out of left field that like – like let's say Gary Patterson all of a sudden decides, uh, you know, I've done all I can do at TCU, I don't care about the money – you know, let's go to South Carolina. You know, I mean, which I don't, I don't know that that would ever happen. But um, you know, I I, I I believe that if it doesn't work out, it should be uh, an offensive minded hire next time, uh, or at least a, a guy that can be kind of a CEO that can do things on both sides of the ball, et cetera. But wait, that's 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 a long way away. Joseph, I appreciate our Joe. I appreciate the uh, mail back question. Um, I want to say this, uh, my friend's back in Spartanburg County, uh, former Spartanburg County Sheriff's Deputy Michael Horton. He was retired. He's actually dating one of my good friends. Uh, Passed away last week from Um, COVID-19. I think he's a Clemson guy. I met the guy once, but uh, that's okay. He was a good person. And, um, you know, just a couple weeks ago, his girlfriend, uh, who's a friend of mine, was – talking about how happy she was. And then the next thing you know, he's in the hospital and the next thing you know, he passed. And and so uh, I would like for those of you that pray to pray for his family, uh, pray for my friend. Uh, and I would like also for those of you that are out there that are hanging out to just be careful, you know, wear your mask, wash your hands. Uh, and And just, you know, even if you're one that doesn't want to do those things, then, that's fine, too. Just uh, enjoy every day because, you know, you, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking where I was two months ago when I had a conversation with my friend about her wonderful boyfriend or whatever and how happy she was, uh, and that doesn't seem too long ago. Um, and there's a game tomorrow night, and uh, enjoy every moment of that, too, my friends, because uh, as I continue to get, to get older – you know, I continue to realize that life is short. Our time here is not guaranteed, um, and I think that's what it's all about: uh, life, family, enjoying every moment, and staying safe. So, wanted to mention that real quick and just pass that along. Uh, very sad situation. Um, anyway, okay. Am I going to have a prediction? I guess I am, and not going to get too far into it. You know, I, I think the key for South Carolina on offense tomorrow is to to keep the ball, not go three and out, keep the defense off the field, make first downs, manufacture yards in the pass game, uh, run the ball, block. Blocking is very important tomorrow night. Um, Tennessee's solid, just like every other SEC team on the defensive line, but they're not elite. They're not elite yet. Uh, and South Carolina can, can have some success. Now, their linebackers could be, and their secondary is. Um And I think that's it. Limit the turnovers, make good decisions. Uh, If the ball is in your hands and you're a receiver tight end or running back, catch it. You know, that's a key, too, for the Gamecocks on offense. On defense, I think it's run defense. I think that when you look at Tennessee's wide receivers, there's a lot of unproven players. That's not to say a guy like Jalen Hyatt or Velas Jones Jr. can't get behind your coverage and score a long pass. But you know the Carolina secondary remembers last year, so you got to be ready for that. Get don't limit the explosive plays, uh, and if you stop the run and put it, you know, put it on Garantano's shoulders. There are times he'll come through, uh, and uh, then there's times that you know he doesn't. And, and like I was talking on JB and Goldwater this week, I think it was JB and Goldwater. Garantano's type of quarterback may not put together a great game. But he could put together a drive. And and you got to kind of, you know, take it out of his hands late. You know, those late wins they had last year giving them an awful lot of confidence, along with Jim Cucciani's play calling and Garantano having the offensive coordinator, the same offensive coordinator for the first time in his career for two years in a row. Um, so watch that, you know. But I, I think South Carolina's got to stop the run to have um, – uh, any kind of success tomorrow because they start running it. That's going to make it awfully uh, less difficult to throw it and put points on the board. Uh, and I don't think South Carolina can win a shootout. I don't I don't know that Tennessee is equipped to win a, win a shootout either. Um, so I'm going to go with this. I'm going to say it's been decided by three points uh, the last four times in Columbia. I'm not going to go with that margin. I'm going to say 20. I'm going to go four points. And I'm going to pick the Gamecocks just because I don't want you guys to, you know, sit there and not listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, but honestly, if I were neutrally looking at this game, I don't know that I would pick Tennessee uh, to win. So I think um, South Carolina wins 21-17, to 17, starts 1-0, and and then we can pick it all apart next week. I'm going out of town. Uh, to see a friend of mine. So be patient on the Monday episode of the podcast. Uh, I'll be coming back Sunday, uh, probably get some sleep. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, Monday I'll get up, have all my thoughts on the big spur. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll probably post on the big spur before then, but you can expect the next inside the Gamecocks podcast uh, on Monday, probably later than you normally get it. uh, Just to be quite honest. So, Anyway, guys, uh, great chatting with you this week. Thanks for all the mailbag questions. Uh, enjoy. Like I said earlier, you got to enjoy every moment in life. I didn't know that we were going to get South Carolina football or SEC football or college football this year, um, so, so make the most of it. Uh, if you're going to the game, great. If not, you know, spend some spend time with some friends and family you normally would if you were going to the game. You know, you can have a tailgate and – throw the football around and watch all the games and have a cold beverage and some chicken uh, in your backyard. But uh, be sure you spend uh, time with your friends and family and and those you love uh, that you're, you're accustomed to spending time with when it comes to Gamecock football. All right, I'm J.C. Sherbert. This has been the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. And next time I talk to you, we will have one game in the books.